0: Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be talking about hypermobility, flexibility and how they relate to back pain. So if you've got these conditions or a little bit more flexible than the average person, then this this live stream is gonna be for you. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing and hitting the notification bell. Today's no different. We're gonna be going to Q&A at the end of the main topic. So if you've got any questions, then please do post those in the comments. Lara's the other side of the camera so she'll be able to uh, read those out as we get to that part of the stream. And if you are subscribed with a notification bell hit, then you'll know when we're going live because you get an email from YouTube or if you're watching on Facebook, the same thing. So uh, with that being said, we'll get into today's live stream. So I wanted to kick today's live stream off by just one quick statement of fact. Sometimes um, when we see these videos on YouTube, uh, people, you don't get to unpack everything because there's only so much we can talk about in a live stream, Uh, otherwise we'd be here all day. But I wanna start off by saying generally having good flexibility is a good thing. And it's a good thing for more or less everybody. Uh, Flexibility is good. But today, we're going to be talking about where we've got increases in the normal levels of flexibility, so hypermobility, and particular people that are going to be at risk of this are, well, you'll generally know if this is you, you probably searched for this video anyway in the first place, um, but it's going to be sort of the gymnasts, the ballet dancers, the you know the acrobats, those sorts of people uh, that are going to likely have a little bit more flexibility than the average. And the, the uh, fortunate or unfortunate thing with these sorts of uh, topics is that, people who have a degree of hypermobility tend to push down that path because flexible flexibility based activities like gymnastics etc come easier uh, strength based activities like say weightlifting for example come a little bit more difficult uh, or a little bit more difficult for that person for obvious reasons that we'll get into in today's live stream and therefore we tend to just go down that path and that's quite a understandable uh, thing one thing i want to get to with regards to lower back pain is that having a degree of tension through the system of ligaments that support and protect your spine is a good thing so if you have hypermobility hopefully by the end of this video you're going to understand a little bit with regards to why you you may struggle a little bit more if we have back pain or the challenges that are unique to you with hypermobility. So there is a degree of natural tension and integrity that maintains the normal structure in our spine. It is the ligaments and we've seen the, the spine before. It's the ligaments that maintain this natural lower back curve. Obviously the spine here has a metal rod going through it which maintains the curve otherwise they'd all fall apart. And when we've got good ligamentous uh, structure, normal levels of flexibility or innate flexibility, it's gonna hold things in place so that when we move, the whole, all of the bones uncouple in a uniform manner, which is quite important. Now, when we have extreme hypermobility, and we've seen a few patients like this in the clinic over the years, um, they'll literally wake up in the morning, roll over, and the shoulder pops out. You know, it can be a really, when we have serious hypermobility issues on the very far end of this spectrum, the joints are literally falling out of place. So that gives you a understanding of what can happen. And obviously, it is a spectrum. Most people are just a little bit more mobile than the average when we talk about hypermobility. Very few people are going to have that point where the... the bones are literally dislocating or joints are literally dislocating because of the ligament laxity and that's due to collagen lay down in the ligaments etc which we won't get into in today's live stream but it just goes to show how unstable things can be when we have a degree of hypermobility and why are we getting into this topic when we're talking about lower back pain because most of the exercises that you guys will be given when you have back pain will be exercises to improve your flexibility they'll be stretch this stretch that etc but if we have an innate level of hypermobility that's often not the focus especially in the exercise Exercises that patients come to us in the clinic doing, and many of you guys that are in the back in shape will know that the stuff that we recommend is very different to that. But many people will come to us doing more mobility exercises, and if you're someone with hypermobility, we need to focus on providing a little bit more strength and a little bit more protection for that lower back, because when we have that hypermobility, we're innately more wobbly. Is the is the, the sort of the very technical term that I would use, which is okay. But when we get injured, we have a wobbly structure that now has a specific injury in it. Maybe it's the uh, four or five down here. We've injured a bit of the disc here and the ligaments down the bottom here. So now we have an already more wobbly structure through the spine here. And then we have an extra wobbly bit where we've got the injury. And that can lead to much more difficulty when it comes to recovering. So for example, if you've got an ankle sprain and you're doing a squat on the floor, you can probably compensate and do that squat effectively. But if I get, if you had an ankle sprain and I got you on a wobble board, which is one of those ones, it's a Swiss ball, half a Swiss ball and you stand on it. So it wobbles all the time. And I said, now with your ankle sprain, go ahead and do a squat on that wobble board. You'd find it incredibly difficult. And this is where hypermobility is a big challenge for a lot of people. Because having that greater flexibility means that you need to have a natural level of strength that is a little bit higher than the average. And just getting slightly off topic here, a lot of people that um, partake in these sorts of activities such as gymnastics or such as, uh, you know, other sort of uh, ballet, dance, those sorts of activities will tend... To do them to a very uh, in a very rigorous manner through their early years, and then typically stop cold turkey at the end, and then the strength that they've built up during this time that you're not necessarily aware of starts to deplete very very quickly. Many of you guys that are going through lockdown right now or over the last couple of months will have noticed that the strength that you had. I know certainly for myself through that lack of specific gym-related activity or dance or ballet or gymnastics you really do lose that muscle mass relatively quickly. You can come back fine, but people tend to just stop cold turkey these activities and then get into university or work, or et cetera. And then they, they kind of keep that degree of hypermobility for life, but they lose the strength that was protecting them. So if there's one particular takeaway I want you guys to take away from this, if you're someone with hypermobility, I've written it down on the bottom here. The main takeaway today is strength. And when you've injured your back, if you're someone with this degree of hypermobility or just even improved or increased flexibility, we want you to make sure that you're spending a good degree of time learning to re-engage those muscles and providing a degree of strength so that those muscles can work a little bit harder than maybe the average person to provide that stability and that integrity back to your spine, because the spine is a series of blocks on top of one another. And if you've got slight levels of hypermobility, then those blocks are going to be a little bit more wobbly than the average. And if we can increase our strength in the muscles a little bit more than the average, then we'll be able to compensate and provide an effective recovery from back pain without having it sort of go on and, on and on and on and on with repeat injuries and repeat sort of flare-ups. So that's pretty much it for today's live stream. It's a pretty uh, shortened to the point one with regards to hypermobility. The main takeaways here, flexibility is a good thing for you. There's no doubt about that. Many of you, you, if you're watching this and you're a guy and you're not so flexible or even a lady and you're not so flexible, then flexibility will be helpful in the long run. But we really want to understand that it's the the natural tension through the spine that really provides in- it integrity, so that everything can move effectively. Extreme levels of mobility are going to provide it situations where we get random dislocations, which gives you an indication of just how unstable things can get when we've got that as a more severe medical version of um, condition uh, of that uh, sort of medical condition. Medical condition. And when we injure ourselves with hypermobility, we have a little bit more wobbliness than the average person. And therefore, the, the, the endeavor to provide f- stability back to that structure may be something that is a little bit more difficult in the short term. But in the long term, if you're someone with hypermobility and you can build up that strength to a higher level, you're probably very, very well placed to actually do really, really well in the long term because you've got that innate flexibility, which as we've mentioned in the back, back in Shape program, having good flexibility in these hips is a positive thing. It's going to help mean that while you're recovering from back pain, your hips can work a little bit harder to take the load so the back doesn't have to move as much. That in combination with good strength will put you in a very, very good position uh, really for the long-term if you can persist with the strengthening exercises. So with that, we can go into Q&A. Okay, brilliant.
1: Uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, Good Morning, uh, guys. Please do pop your questions below. Karen's got one here. She says, does the same apply for anyone with ethelus danlos? I probably am not pronouncing that right um, that that's, that's the condition where you're uh, where you've got very flexible joints and very fragile skin I think um, I think it's a um, hereditary condition
0: yeah I mean if you've got very I'm not specifically um, familiar with that particular condition but any condition that is going to provide uh, more than average flexibility in the joints is going to have this same effect the spine or the interspinal joints are joints that are maintained by a degree of ligament. Uh, integrity, Uh, you can meddle with those ligaments or fiddle with the integrity of those ligaments as we've mentioned before, doing things like cycling for long periods uh, where you're in a flexed over position, leaning over like so, will lead to a stretch coming through these ligaments which will affect the mobility of these segments. It will make them slightly more lax in a flexion direction which we all know is not very good for the joints. And also when we do things like the denarol, which is one of the orthotics, we can actually restore some of that lumbar curve um at a rate of about 25 percent every three to four months by doing 20 minutes of stretching a day so there are things that you can do to influence these ligaments and the balances between the two so they are plastic but generally on a day-to-day basis we don't hold set positions for 20 minutes and those ligaments are there to provide integrity and not really change in length too much on a day and out basis it's the muscles that are there to change in length as we go through a contraction or a extension.
1: Yes, um, I actually haven't. Um, hadn't heard of that before. Uh, yep. Karen, I'd love to know whether that's sort of something that maybe it, with the right, that's you or one of your friends and just how it affects them in, in yep. their life. That'd be great to understand. Um, for, for a lot of people with back pain, they, they describe sort of tension and stiffness mm-hmm. in the lower back. Um, yeah, it's a really good. Um, what, what would you sort of recommend for, yeah. for for maybe someone who is generally flexible, but because of their back pain, they've got that tension, that band-like pain.
0: Yeah, what I was going, just taking a slight tangent on the tension feeling, uh, and this is what often misleads people so much. Really good you mentioned that, Laura. Um, the, the, the feeling that even the hypermobile person will feel a degree of tension in those muscles. And quite often this is seen as a need to actually stretch that muscle further, which actually is wrong we don't want to be stretching those muscles further. Quite often they are tense because they're overworking, but we immediately think of, oh, a tense muscle, I need to stretch it out. But that's not necessarily the case. If those muscles are tense every day, yes, you can keep stretching them, but you don't want to stretch them to kingdom come because you're going to make them longer. And therefore, as those muscles become longer, they're going to have more disadvantage mechanically speaking. So uh, many of you guys that have been to the gym, uh, done any bicep curls ever, or even if you want to do this now, you pick up something heavy. I don't know, like the iron is over there, or or maybe the phone is a little bit too light uh, and do a bicep curl. So if you stand here and you lift the weight, you're very strong. We've got short muscles here, uh, We're in a mechanically advantageous position. If we go back like this and try and lift the weight, we're very weak because the muscle is elongated. When people misinterpret a feeling of tension in the muscles as a need to stretch and further elongate that muscle, you end up making this mechanical disadvantage even more so. What invariably is required in a lot of patients. The overwhelming majority of patients pay too much attention to trying to stretch out that tense feeling, hence exercises like the child's pose or the cat-camel pose or other knee-hug type poses trying to stretch out those muscles when in actual fact we need to strengthen them. Because if they are so weak as the normal acts of daily living, maybe getting out of bed and other things, is, is that muscle operating at 90%, for example, of its capacity? because you can't it's got no it's got no capacity it's weak uh, then it's going to be tense all the time because it's operating at 90% capacity you try and run uh, maybe don't try and run but visualize running if you've got back pain at 90% for a day you're going to be in a lot of trouble you're going to be exhausted you're going to be tense Okay, but if you try and run at 50 percent capacity for a day or for an extended period of time, you're going to not be tense. You're going to be relaxed because it's not over demanding. And the main objective in things like the Back in Shake program is to help you guys understand this, that if we can get our capacity, our strength up the normal acts of daily living are down at 50%. And therefore we can operate very effectively and very easily without feeling tension in those muscles because they're not working close to or at their natural capacity because they are weaker than they need to be. And many people coming out of lockdown now starting to be a little bit more active will start to notice some of those weaknesses and immediately feel tension. And yes, we do want to do a little bit of stretching, but we need to objectively take a step back and say, "Is this? Be- am I tense because I'm too weak? I've just walked around the block and now I'm feeling tense. Probably, it's because you're too weak, and we need to make some strengthening improvements there. And if you've got any, if you if you've struggled with this sort of uh, situation yourself, then please do post that in the comments. If it, It's really uh, something that a lot of people just once they click to it, they really start to make some improvement. Okay,
1: awesome, um, Alex. On... But it takes time. Uh, Alex Sparks on um, YouTube has said, "Can too much flexibility lead to arthritis in the spine? For example, the joints start to rub against each other."
0: Yeah, yeah, that—that's the whole. So that that group of people that I mentioned—I um, forget the exact condition, but it's where you—they but basically get spontaneous dislocations. Um, the, the long and short of that is the joints bang into one another, etc., in in ways that is inappropriate. Um, For example, the spinal joints might be shearing on one another because there's not that ligament strength there, and that can lead to things like uh, spondylolisthesis, degenerative form, whereby because there's not that ligament strength and integrity to hold them in place, the two facet joints are banging into one another on a daily basis, and that grinding then results in accelerated wear and tear, and you see that in these sort of facet joints down here in in this model everything's kind of held in place so they don't bang so much but if i just sheared one of these and and slid this one forwards a little bit it would start banging on this this facet joint here and that would create a degree of wear and tear and an accelerated sort of position because as i said they're not moving normally it, it, going to your going to your gym, uh, you know, um, in in the coming weeks when they open, safely of course. Maybe you're watching this in a couple days. of years time. <laughs> yeah, days. Um, maybe watching this in a couple of years time. Go into your gym and, and get one of the machines where the cables come out of it and just pull the cable at an angle. You can visualise that that cable is going to wear very very quickly if it's not being pulled in the right direction. So that's what that's the effect essentially that hypermobility has. It loses that natural tension and integrity that should be in and around all of these spinal joints and therefore they don't move as well as they should do
1: okay so a couple more questions coming through on the facebook um so alex fesco has has asked at what point during the rehabilitation phases can you start doing flexibility exercises and which yoga poses would you absolutely ban and perhaps recommend to increase flexibility
0: I think really the stretching that we're doing um, in the backing shape is sufficient for the overall majority of people for uh, a substantial volume of time. And I'm talking about uh, three, four, even five months, that should be more than sufficient. Uh, some people do enjoy other benefits that come from yoga. And we discussed this, I think, on one of the live streams that there are meditative, if that's a word, meditation benefits um, that come with yoga. And there's other benefits that are outside of the body, if that makes sense, that come with things like yoga. And, and potentially looking at other forms of getting those benefits might be a good option. Um, anyone with anything like a spondylolysthesis should be extremely... But they just shouldn't bother doing any sort of backward bending. Uh, the backward bending sort of exercises in yoga, uh, or anything that involves that sort of movement, is going to jar that that hyper that um, hyperextension through that spondylolisthesis, and is a very very bad idea. We should not be doing that. Um, that's going to create trouble for you. So please, please be mindful of that. Um, that's pretty much my take on that. Okay. the The problem with yoga is that it's a very flowy exercise and therefore you almost need a bespoke flow that that allows you to go through the motions without having any of those problematic movements that are involved. And what I would argue is actually yoga, if anything, would really potentially be something to do once you've improved your joint specific flexibility. Because if I think of probably most people watching this, if I said, go and do a downward dog, for example, well, if you do a downward dog correctly, you should have appropriate levels. You should have a 90 degree hip. You should have, uh, or approximately 90 degree hip, your bum's in the air, obviously. I should use that model, but I don't think he's flexible enough. Um, (laughs) uh, You should have a 90 degrees at the hip. So your feet should be going down. Arguably, your feet should then be flat on the floor and your hands and shoulders should be up like so. Well, a lot of people don't have the shoulder flexibility or the shoulder strength to get into the position correctly and they don't have the the hip Or the hamstring flexibility to get the hips or the calf flexibility to get the calves. And, And therefore, I would argue that yoga actually It's pitched quite often to people that are inactive, to people that are maybe a little bit more stiff than usual. I would say if you're going to do it properly, it is a skill. To be able to do yoga effectively is a skill, the same way you wouldn't expect to just go and do, I don't know, rugby at a high level. Uh, or, or, or any other sort of acrobatic type activity. You wouldn't expect to go and do a handstand. I see people doing handstands. I think of a few people uh, off the top of my head, <laughs> friends that decide to do handstands in the gym. And it's not helpful. It's not, you're not doing them effectively with the good anatomy. So if we bring that back to yoga, I think you're better off doing the joint specific stretches if we know we need to improve flexibility first and then once you have the appropriate flexibility, you can probably do these sorts of yoga routines and yoga flows with good form. But too many people have nowhere near the flexibility to be doing yoga effectively. And, and, and really it, it's something that's a lot more difficult than, than, than is given credit for.
1: Okay, great. I just wanna move on to Elizabeth's question here on Facebook, she said, my spine compresses if I stand for more than three to four minutes, I become faint. What exercise other than bending backwards can I do to strengthen muscles?
0: Well, bending backwards wouldn't really be strengthening the muscles, unfortunately. That's more of a mobility exercise, but it's a very good question. And a lot of people struggle with with just standing up. Uh, some of the people you know, that start the back in shape exercise, that's why the phase one stuff is there to help you learn to re-engage your core. The problem will most likely be is that the injury is bad and the core stability and competence is not there. So that as soon as we stand things up, it's just like a sack of potatoes. I, I drew this out on the board, maybe one of, one of the early live streams from, uh, from back in March, But if we've got, imagine we've got a sack of potatoes, if the sack isn't tight, then the potatoes kind of slide off to the side of one another. Whereas if the sack is tight, they can stack on top of one another like a spine. So nice and in line here. Um, And what's happening is we don't have the appropriate levels of core competence uh, to enable that spine to be held upright without failing and therefore yes starting off in what we call the phase one exercises is necessary to learn how to re-engage the core and you might find as an, as a valid experiment for example standing in the kitchen uh, with a little bit of support on your hands and just engaging that core correctly with good form and uh, not tucking our bum under uh will help it maybe mean that you can go for three instead of three minutes you can go for four minutes or three and a half minutes but really we need to work on strengthening those core muscles Strengthening the back muscles, getting more strength and stability and competence so that your body is able to hold the spine erect without trouble. And people often are sometimes, um, or sometimes frequently, uh, when they've maybe joined the back in shape exercises, they say, I'm not going to do any for the next sort of couple of days until I've spoken or, or, or see my doctor or double check that they're okay. And and I have stressed that the, we put the videos there so that you guys can watch them and do them technically correctly. And the technically correctly is the very, very important part. That will allow anyone to do these exercises if they do them with correct technique. But the notion that lying on your back, for example, with a dead bug and doing it properly and engaging your core and moving one leg is more of a risk than just being upright and moving around the house. Is, is, is really, when you break it down like that, you think, why am, I, why am I okay to walk around the house, but I'm scared about lying on my back and lifting my bum off the ground? The stress that goes through your spine, through upright activity, getting out of the bed, getting out of the chair, going down the stairs, going up the stairs is so much more than is in the back in shape exercises. So they are safe for people to do when they're done correctly. And the videos are, I would hope, infinitely more helpful than a sheet of exercises.
1: Okay, um, Elizabeth, uh, I've, li- I've just sent you a link to the Back in Shape program where you yep. can sign up uh, completely for, for free. Phase one is free. Yeah, so it probably you- take
0: a bit of time to get to those phase two exercises and, or get get competent at them, but it, it's worthwhile doing.
1: But if you've got any questions, um, please feel free to ask us. That's absolutely fine. Um, Alex has asked another question here. What do you think about rotational flexibility?
0: Um, I think the the ab rotation exercises will improve that. Um, so they're, they're a good one. Uh, rotational flexibility is fine. Uh, we have to remember there's not that much individual f- rotation through the uh, through the spine itself. When we lock and we get, I mean, we, and we say for example, we, we, we get engaged and we do a, a rotation. That is pretty much all you're gonna get. The way in which the joint works, the fantastic way in which our body works is that when we do a rotation in real life, we move everything, we move the hips. Like a golf swing, for example, everything kind of moves. The the hips are moving, the knees are moving, the ankles, my toes lifting off, and I go to reach, my my thoracic spine is rotating. When we're doing the back and shape exercises, we're working specifically on these exercises, so with the rotation, and that's it. That's all the movement there is. So you can, yes, do some upper body stretching, things like stretching the lats out, um, those sorts of things which will help make sure we've got good flexibility through that region. And with time, I think we can start adding in other levels, uh, you know, other stretches to maybe say, do you know what, the lats are a little bit stiff down here and they're gonna be limiting a degree of rotation. so let's work on those. Um, the shoulder girdle, I think, often is also maybe uh, not not utilised as much. And you have to remember, some of these big muscles come down into the back and will affect the back as well. So it's worth bearing in mind.
1: Okay, perfect. Um, Elizabeth said, thank you. Alex said, superb explanation. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. I think that nice guys. is... Everything for today. That's everything. Yes. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us, guys, on the live stream. Hopefully you found it helpful. There were some good in- good questions there yeah, at the end, which sort of helped us go into a bit more detail, uh, which is awesome. So thank you very much for that. Again, if you're new to the channel, if you find these videos helpful, then please do consider subscribing. We go live every weekday. So if you've maybe been watching this after, fa- after the fact and you've sort of missed uh, the opportunity to do Q&A, then make sure you hit the notification bell on the channel so you know when we go live next time. We're going live tomorrow morning. 845. we're talking talking about chronic back pain. So uh, that'll be a a good one. So bring your questions if you've got them uh, and hopefully we can give you guys a little bit more direct advice and guidance. As always, thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon and we will see you tomorrow with another live stream. Thanks so much for joining us on today's video. Hopefully you found it packed full of useful information. If you wanna learn more about the premium Back in Shape membership, there's gonna be a video somewhere underneath here. And if you wanna stay up to date or tune into some of our more recent live streams and the Q and A's at the end of those, then that's gonna be down here. And remember you can subscribe to the channel up here and hit the notification bell to make sure you know when we next go live so you can join us for our next live stream and Q and A.